Hey there, and welcome back to Radio Meteor, the podcast where I watch an episode of 90s anime Gundam Wing and ramble about it, because the smaller the fandom, the nicer the people. And this one's for you. Where are we? Episode four? Woo! What a gift. Let's get into it. So episode four, Akumuno Victoria, the Victorian Nightmare. My god, what a gift of an episode. There's just so much in this that's so iconic and that I love so much. You have you have Noin flirting with Zex, you have that terrible nightclub scene, um, you have Relina standing on a cliff shouting, Come back and kill me, you have Wufei shouting at hyenas, you have the duet with the violin and the flute. You have Hero stealing Gundam parts from Duo's Death Scythe. It's just so perfect. Like, I feel like episode four, episode five is where you start to really kind of establish whether or not you're gonna have people carry on watching whatever it is you're producing. You know, people will watch the first episode to see if they like it. They'll watch the second episode to see what happens next. Episode three, four, five, that's where you get that tail off. You need to keep it spicy. And I feel like they delivered. They they definitely put some shit in. And it's, um, narratively, it's very interesting. So typically, I have been talking a lot about translation and Japanese and what it means. Not much of that in this episode uh, for two reasons. One, there's not masses that I could pick up on that hasn't already been picked to death um, already. So there's that whole conversation that Wufei has with Noin about, oh, you're just a woman, um, <laughs> and how poorly that was presented in the English. And, you know, there's there's some hair splitting to be done there. Um, I mean, it's not, it's not that Wufei is perfect. He is kind of an ass. Okay, he's not kind of an ass. He is an ass. He has, shall we say, set a baseline from which he will grow. <laughs> I think that's the nicest way we can talk about Wufei here. But other than that, there's not masses that was glaringly interesting um, in this episode. The other reason I don't have much to talk about on language is that Noin is freaking impossible to understand anything she says. Oh my god, like 50% of her speech, I was like craning my ear towards the speaker, just hoping for clarity, but she's a little bit lispy or slurry or I don't know I'm not really one to criticize for you know your level of coherentness uh while speaking I don't necessarily do that well myself but oh annoying it's just so difficult to listen to um genuinely a notch harder than duo which I didn't expect to say because I feel like duo is pretty damn difficult to listen to I think though if we have one word for an episode or one language thing for an episode this one, the word would be amai. So amai is another of those really pig awkward things to translate into English. Um, we don't really have a single word in English that really captures the sentiment, the feeling, the nuance of amai in Japanese. So taking it at its basic level, amai means sweet, as in like the flavour. So like amai mono would be like sweet things, it'd be candy, cake, all the good stuff, you know. But on another level, 
Amai comes up with this other set of meanings that gets really convoluted and I hand on heart I have to fully say I don't fully get it yet. This is something I've been learning for like 10 years. Still can't really say I fully understand the concept of Amai as like a native Japanese speaker would, would get it. I'm not sure if it's cultural exactly or well, I mean it is cultural but I don't know. It's it's complicated as fuck. I will do my best to explain. It has kind of a negative connotation, I want to say. It's also got this association with childhood. So we've talked before about how the Gundam pilots are specifically perceived as children. And certainly that's a big part of Noin's confrontation with Wu Fei. Um, is she's like, oh my god, it's a kid. Um, despite the fact that she's like 19, she's barely out of nappies herself. But when you describe a person as Amai, you can do it very critically. It can mean like they're completely naive or that they've still got like a lot to learn, that they're kind of they don't have the experience to really handle or understand a situation, that they're a little bit childlike. It can mean that they are unrealistic in their understanding or their optimism or, or something like that. It can also mean that they're kind of indulgent or lenient. So when you call like parents are am I, they kind of they spoil their kids. They don't really punish them as hard as they perhaps need it. Um, there's a kind of lack of discipline there. If you if you make it a verb, amakusuru, so suru is that ending that makes something a, often makes things a verb. It means like to go easy on or to to be be soft about something. And you can do that from the other perspective as well. So it can you can combine that to have meanings like to to take something lightly or you know there's a lack of seriousness or weight to something or that you are underestimating something or, or making little of something. So that is the kind of context where we hear Wufei criticizing Noin and he says Onnonoka, oh it's a woman. Dakara amai. Oh so that's why you're well the English puts it as weak but I think it's more like oh so that's why you've been going easy on me because he's very much already declared himself as an enemy. They've they've identified him as an enemy, but Noin doesn't treat him like an enemy until after she literally sees him in the Gundam swiping apart two of her soldiers and kills them. So with that in mind, is he particularly inaccurate to say like, you're going way too easy on me. Like you've made my job way too easy. And then he also says at the end, like, I don't kill bleeding hearts or women. And I feel like that is a reasonable translation there. Um, but I, I don't know if you would necessarily translate as weak in the way that the English criticism of weak comes about. Yeah, I don't know. I'm rambling here. Have to forgive me. Um, but kind of what he's saying is this. <laughs> you've already kind of screwed up enough, to be honest, love. I feel like Wufei comes with this very hard to read philosophy of battle of like he has an expectation of what a fight should be like and what an opponent should be like and if it doesn't meet that criteria then it's not really a battle and he's not really facing an enemy that does tie into his duel with Trey's a lot more where he goes into that and then Trey's kind of also lets him off which then leads into further character development but we'll talk about that when that episode comes up and she forgets she's got the comms turned on she she yak yaks and she's like, oh my god, you're a child. You're 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 barely This is the bit I couldn't really make out. Um she says like Kodomo Shonen or something. I don't know. I if somebody has 
the Japanese that she actually uses, I'd be really interested to see it because I, I listened and I listened and I listened and I couldn't pick it apart. The English translates it as, he's practically a baby, which I think is perhaps slightly overkill. But I think the sentiment was there. She was like, my God, he's young. At any rate, I find it really interesting. Haha, <laughs> take a shot. That Noin says, or oh, she's criticised of being a my, but she also says about Zex that, you know, she says like, oh, come in the English, they translate it to, oh, hurry up and come here and, you know, lean on me or rely on me. Um, but she uses the word amai there in the Japanese as well. Again, I couldn't really pick out precisely what she was saying, but she definitely used the word amai. And uh, in that respect, that's almost kind of like a boyfriend-girlfriend thing. So you can hear it comes up in those kinds of contexts, like, oh, I kind of want a guy who will spoil me a bit or like will look after me kind of context typically emotionally but can be in terms of like what you do for them so like i guess if you do his laundry that would be am i to him because you know it's a nice thing and it's sort of the shit that your mum does isn't it <laughs> so it, yeah there's this kind of funny triangle going on between various sets of characters with this concept and i think very much the theme of this episode could be boiled down to Rational versus emotional. So Zex establishes himself as like he's this very rational guy. He's quite cautious. He gathers data. Um, he doesn't like rumor. He doesn't want his enemies to target him and like turn up and make him have battles. And he doesn't want his own allies to get the wrong idea about him either. He's very much like Mr. Let me do my job and leave me alone. Don't want fame don't want fortune, just let me get on with the shit that I need to do. Noin is very much more representing something a bit more emotional. Um, she genuinely cares about this, that and the other. She's got her philosophy, she's got her beliefs, you know, she's got things that she really loves um, and that she cares about, which are in conflict with the kind of situation that she lives in. So it kind of raises this question of who would these people be if they weren't living in the situation they were living in? Would Noin be a soldier if she wasn't living in a world at war, if the people she cared about and that she really loved weren't so embroiled in it? And to be honest, I think like the answer would be no. Given the chance, she probably would have been somebody quite different. And he says, you know, a year and 22 days ago, which is how long they've not met, Zex is like, you used to hate war and now you seem really gung-ho about it. But it's, I think we can, we can attribute that to the fact that she's, she's into him. I don't know. So no one really bothers me with her characterization. Like this need to be second best, not because she's incapable, but because she kind of wants to put other people ahead of her. And she kind of does that the whole series through. She's like little Miss Wingman. She's got your back. But at times she's the kind of person who's like, I love how you support me. Thank you so much. You do so much that's so good. But I equally want to kick your ass and say, you know, fight for yourself a little bit more. Maybe that's just me. So as I said, we get this sort of contrast the whole way through this episode between rational and emotional. So um, Zex and Noin, but then equally Noin versus Wu Fei. He's very much more this sort of rational, hard-nosed soldier, even though he's younger. And then equally on the flip side, we kind of have Duo versus Hero. Sort of, this is like the diet version of the theme, I think. But Hero is very much more like, you know, don't touch my stuff. I'm going to do the mission. Clearly enjoys it because he laughs his head off. And then and then we jump over to, just so they don't feel left out, we jump over to Katra and Troa doing their 
violin flute duet and I love how pissed off Trower is about this. It's like nobody has forced him to do this but he looks so annoyed playing his flute um, and I think in that situation again of course Catra is the emotional and Trower represents the rational. That I think is highly arguable. Um, I'm not sure Trower is as rational as he says but he is very analytical as I said in episode three and he's very judgy. So yeah we're getting this kind of theme again and I suppose it ties back to that previous thing that they brought up, you know, which which is man versus machine and then emotion versus logic. So yeah, they go hard on that. They're kind of carrying that forward. Oh my god, and I also forgot to mention Trey's and his popcorn bath is in this episode. Like I said, this episode is just a massive fucking gift. I suppose the last thing I want to talk about this episode is that, and I remember distinctly when I watched this as a kid, I say kid, well, teenager, being kind of confused as to who I was supposed to be rooting for. And in part that was because I hadn't watched much nuanced storytelling in cartoons before. There was like a rut at the time of storytelling in animation that very much told you, this is the bad guy, we don't like them. This is the good guys, big thumbs up. And there was no questioning that, you know, you never questioned whether or not you should like the bad guy or not but whether the good guys were right in what they were doing but I feel like this episode even though it's the one where Wufei is introduced properly it does it very very unsympathetically to him Um, he's very much set up as the character that they're using to suggest or imply that maybe the Gundams aren't heroes or like maybe they're they're gonna get shit wrong um, and we know they do um, in future. Uh, he, he's quite a creepy introduction, actually. He doesn't say anything for most of the episode. And uh, then he's just kind of mean. Um, there's not a lot to like about him. Whereas we get more of a, we get a mystery character with Hero. We get, you know, the cute guy with Katra. We get the funny guy with Joe. Um, Tra is, well, I guess he's just Troa, isn't he? He's, you've got, you know, there's something going to, go on there and then he gets put in with Katra quite quickly so a good guy by association but Wufei is very much on his own and he's very much a butt so I think it's kind of reasonable that he ends up kind of unpopular (laughs) plus this episode plays heavily on sympathy for the enemy you know it's very much more an episode about Zex and Noin and we get a bit more of an insight into them that Zex perhaps isn't all that he appears and that he's not particularly thrilled with the Alliance, the Alliance are kind of, they are the, the moustache-twizzling villains of the show. They are not good guys. We're not supposed to like them. We're not supposed to agree with them, and we don't, and it's it's easy not to. We know that he's working to undermine that, but with him and, and Trey's together, we're pretty sure Trey's is an enemy, but there's this kind of question mark over where Zex and Noin fit into this sort of complicated puzzle. Like, if I'd been asked where do I think this is going, you know, I could quite easily say, well, I think these are the characters who are going to default over and be on the good side. Particularly Noin. Zex, perhaps not so much, but, you know, again, good guy by association. If Noin comes over to the good side, maybe that's where it's going. We also learn that the Alliance is pretty damn sloppy. So they have this base. It's crap security. They make these pretty poor assumptions based out of arrogance about their own safety. And uh, evidently that that's a mistake you know 
So I think I'm going to leave it there. Um, other people have discussed whether or not Wufei is as misogynistic as he implies, uh, quite what he means by when he calls Noin weak. I think that's been discussed a lot on other places. I think I'm going to leave <laughs> Relina's come back and kill me comment as well. I think that's something else that's been discussed heavily. We may touch upon this in, in future episodes. So yeah, that's uh, that's my take on episode four. Love it. Friggin' legendary episode. It's got so much in it that, as I said, is just iconic and memeable and that I love. And uh, I hope you all have a lovely evening or morning or wherever you are. And that one day in your life, you get to have a popcorn bath if, if you're into that. <laughs> At any rate, um, this has been Radio Meteor. It's been great. Thanks for listening to me. And uh, I hope to see you in orbit next time. Milag's gone dead. Milag's gone dead.